Hey guys, it's Bo here. Uh, before we jump into our newest episode of Listener Beware, where we're going to be talking about the ghost next door, I want to give you guys an update on uh, why the podcast had, hadn't come in coming out for a little while. So um, this summer has been really crazy for me personally. And um, as I think I've mentioned on the show before, summer is easily the busiest time of year at the library. So my home life's been crazy. My work life's been crazy. Right in the middle of it all, I moved um, and moved to a new place. And that's always a huge pain, as you know. So, um, of course, when all that kind of crazy stuff happens, passion projects like Listener Beware uh, unfortunately get shifted to the back burner. Uh, the episode that you're about to listen to, uh, Lauren and I recorded back at the beginning of the summer, as you'll probably quickly pick up on about what we're talking about. Uh, Ghostbusters was still a few weeks out from release. Now that's kind of come and gone. Uh, we were right at the beginning of the summer. It really just gotten hot outside. You know, we talk about all that kind of stuff. So at this point, um, some of that's a little bit dated. I hope you still enjoy our take on things. Uh, if you can kind of rewind about six weeks or so into the past. But um, I mentioned all this just to say that now that things are settling down again, I hope to be getting the podcast out on a much more regular basis. Um, as I'm recording this September the 4th, you know, I consider September 1 Halloween season. So we've definitely moved back into that time of year. Um, it's my favorite time of the year. It's when I get most excited about these kind of projects. So um, I really hope to be uh, throwing these at you much more regularly. Um, we're not going to go for the podcast a week in October like we did last year. That's just a crazy amount of work. But um, I'm hoping to get Listener Beware out a lot more regularly. Uh, on a, Well, at least a more regular release schedule. So um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I had a, I know Lauren and I had a lot of fun recording it. We are looking to get back into the recording booth very, very soon um, because we're super excited. The next episode is going to be The Haunted Mask, which is the perfect episode for this time of year. And um, I have some other projects in the work, too. So if you enjoy what we do here on Listener Beware, I'm hoping to uh, bring some other stuff coming at you pretty soon. So stay tuned for that. Enjoy the episode. And hopefully we'll have more new episodes coming before you know it. Thanks, guys. Listener beware, you're in for a scare. A Goosebumps podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Listener Beware. We are so happy to be back with you today. Uh, I'm your host, Will Bradley. And with me, of course, is the always fantastic Lauren Parker. Lauren, how Hello, are you? Hello, Bo. How are you? I, I'm awesome. I'm super happy to be here talking about Goosebumps today. Me too. Me too. Uh, it is a beautiful uh, Pride weekend. Yep. Uh, it is It is the day of the Pride Parade in San Francisco and I believe also Seattle and a couple other places. Um, but yes, it, it is pride month Yep. and what a better way to celebrate my people than to read goosebumps. Talk, I didn't think this all the way through. Talking about goosebumps, man. <laughs> Everybody celebrates in their own way and that's how we celebrate here on listener beware. So absolutely. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's full swing summer. It's hot out. Um, 
been wearing the flip flops. Yeah, it's it's almost eighty degrees here. It's awful. Yeah, it's not. Uh, I'm not a hot weather person. I mean, everything that I love is in the fall. Um, yeah, and I like. I don't love the winter, but it doesn't bother me like it does some people. But uh, the hot is really not my cup of tea. But I will say it's nice to be able to get outside again. It's always as good. A, as a, yeah, for sure. As a Bay Area person, so it's like, you know, the days have gotten so long, which I kind of love. Because um, I tend to be an early riser, so it's like great to have more daylight to work within. But, you know, I'm, I'm a Bay Area person. I don't do, like, I grew up in humidity and incredible winter. Like, I grew up, like, in the East Coast and then the Midwest. The place where just sort of, like, your face melts. Right. And so 80 degrees in Cleveland's a little different than the 80 degrees that we have here because of course we've got the ocean and it's like even if it is humid it's only a little humid mm-hmm. but lately it's beginning up all the way to 80 and so it's like it doesn't get much hotter than that here uh thank god but I'm, I'm like it's 80 and I'm like I'm a little warm and I might have to put on sunscreen boohoo <laughs> there you go you know it's also it's now it's uh summer blockbuster movie season um that's true they had i mean it really kicks off now with like the marvel movies that's kind of like the big start of the summer movie season uh but we had uh there's the new teenage mutant ninja turtles movie which i didn't go see yet by uh, michael bay i think so i saw the first, the first one. it was it was pretty uh it was pretty like um shallow. he and tim burton have this thing about like touching my childhood and making it gross and then nobody can use it. If there's money <laughs> in it, Hollywood will never be done with it. I know. Um, well, as we've seen with superheroes, like we're finally in a place where superheroes are in again. In the 90s, it was really, really hard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the superheroes were not in. They were in comic books, but not really in movies. And like now everybody's interested in them. So they are beating that horse to death. And what's really funny is I remember people saying that like, they're like, oh, you'll never get a really good superhero movie. Like it just can't quite be done. Um, so it's interesting to see how much that's changed in the past, like, 10 years. Um, I mean, I think it'll be in another 10 years, we'll look back on the, like, the CGI and things of those movies and go, hmm. Like, it's tough to make them really last. But I think right now, it's really, really exciting and engaging for audiences, for sure. I think the best, the best sort of, like, thought I've heard on it was, I forget who, it was a, like a, like a movie critic who is basically saying eventually the superhero movies are going to kind of go to the way of the Western and that yeah. like they're really popular now. And we're like really oversaturated with them in film and TV yeah. and, and books and comic right. books are big, like all of that's going on. And then eventually like, we're all just going to lose interest um, and it'll eventually kind of slack off. And, um, but well, and the Westerns never really come back in the conventional. No, way. it hasn't they've actually we talked about this so supernatural i'm yeah. late to the game this is show is 12 seasons in but essentially is a supernatural western yeah but it lives on television and you wouldn't really know that so i think superhero movies will be kind of the same thing where they'll kind of sneak the up. the tropes will hang around and you'll still yes. and in like <laughs> in like 60 years like the quentin tarantino of 2075 will make like a <laughs> like a really like overproduced um homages to the superheroes which would probably actually be pretty cool now that i'm thinking yeah i mean no one will see that one they'll see his other work yeah so, but you know it'll be made for people like you and me <laughs> right so you have that um i went and saw the conjuring 2 
Um, the, the, How was it? The first Conjuring was one of my favorite horror movies from the last few years because um, it wasn't really over the top uh, artsy. Like there have been some really good horror movies in the past few years that are very like artistic. Um, it Follows comes to mind if you saw that. Like it very much smacked of being like a highbrow movie, but it was horror. Um, but The Conjuring still kind of felt like a classic like blockbustery horror movie but it was also really scary and really well made um and i know they kind of baked into it this sort of retro vibe because they're set in the 70s um and they kind of tried to make it feel like a movie from the 70s or 80s um the conjuring 2 is really good uh, really scary i'm glad that they've kind of continued with this series um I highly recommend it if you get a chance. There's there's some great um, practical effects in the movie, which are always cool to see. Um, you know, in this world of like everything CG, like they actually have some people in really well made like costumes and prosthetics and all that kind of stuff. And that, I just think that always works better in horror. Like the CG, you can just tell, and it doesn't have the same impact. So it's got some really astounding like practical effects, which I just loved. Um, and that in the little you know universe they built within the that series, the main characters um, who are supposed to be Ed and Lorraine Warren, which are real world paranormal investigators who wrote a bunch of books back in the day. I think they're still alive, or at least did uh, they do the Amityville horror? Yeah, that's the one they're really famous for. Okay. And and this movie, so The Conjuring one ends, and they're about to go off and investigate the Amityville horror and then the conjuring 2 picks up they've just concluded investigating the amityville horror so i got the sense they didn't really want to rehash that because it's been done so many times um but it is interesting especially because part of the plot of the conjuring 2 that they bring in is uh, some of the criticism that the the warrens picked up out of the amityville because you know um so much has come out that the amityville stuff was probably a hoax or you yeah. know, there's a lot of that going on in the in the Warrens up until that point where I would say we're as respected as paranormal investigators can be by like the general public. Um, yeah. I mean, I think there's I mean, always it's like der- it's like Miss Cleo, like it's like der- yeah. or even spiritualists, there... like it's like people will go to them, but nobody will like openly. That stuff always, yeah, smacks of hucksterism. Like, yeah, but there are people even today. There are people who investigate those kind of phenomenon that tend to have a lot more clout than other people um i it's it's something i'm interested in um and as someone who is interested in stuff like ghosts and ets and like bigfoots so much of that is just garbage like so many of the are you a believer i i'm believing the possibility of things um i keep an open mind my my um expression of it is there are so many uh, events whether it's ETs or Bigfoots or ghosts or right. whatever. So many like paranormal events. There are just so many reported by people every year that if even like 1% of those are real, and it's probably, if that is the case, probably about 1% of them would be real, that it's at least something worth investigating with some level of seriousness. Um, so I'm just keeping an open mind. I'm not just like, oh, anything like that's just garbage because there's so many hucksters and, you know, people just looking to make a buck and sell a book or something like that. Um, I just think so much of it gets reported that there's at least something there to keep an eye on. And at the very, very least it's great entertainment and it's great. Like 
it's kind of it's fun to think about so i kind of come at it from that perspective yeah i um so did you hear about blink 182 no i what they're so they're they turn out to be bigfoot their former lead singer the one that's not mark hoppus (laughs) Mm -hmm. actually quit the band because he's focusing on a national emergency which he uh sees it as a national security issue of extraterrestrial life form meddling with the world um and i thought kind of like it'd be interesting as somebody who studies that and kind of studies people that study that you know kind of Mm -hmm. to get your to get your insight and perspective on kind of like you know not everybody is alex jones where they like run around doing like conspiracy theories that i think are like actively harmful and so it's but it's like you know it makes me wonder like how many people are like it's aliens it's aliens and they stumble upon like humans doing some fucked up shit yeah Um, well there's well so there's two like there seems to be like two pretty big schools of thought when especially with the ets mm -hmm. half the people seem to think they're here for like positive reasons they're here to like raise our vibrations or like you know they're like waiting for us to like just get a little bit better and then they're going to come in and be like you made it and now we're going to cure all your diseases and give you all this wonderful technology and make you this like very sweet actually i kind of like that idea so there's that camp and then there's the other camp that's like no we are being preyed upon we're being taken advantage of um we're getting sold out by powers that be be it the government or something else um they're the the ets whatever they are don't have good intentions with us they're just looking to get what they need from us um oh you mean so they come in and they take all the resources and uh take over a place and colonize (laughs) yeah resources um you hear genetic material a lot like a really easy to get like a really common theory is that um the there's such an advanced they're so advanced that they've basically kind of become in a weird way, like inbred they've genetically modified and engineered themselves to this point where they have like no genetic diversity. And so they're looking to sort of like, like hybrids you get, you hear people talk about that a lot, that they're here to like hybridize with the human race and that a lot, some people think there are lots of hybrids already. I mean, this is, this is the other thing you have so many people with so many theories and only one of them gets to be right. Yeah. If one of them's right. Um, and that, and so I'm more interested in the people that kind of look at this and they're like, look, I've noticed this phenomenon's going on. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on. I'm just examining this phenomenon. They're not trying to explain it. They're just trying to like capture it and present it and to say, we need to pay more attention. So like one of my favorite people in the field of like paranormal research right now is a guy named Dave Politis. And um, for a couple years now, he's been looking at, um, well, just to take a step back, he he is an ex-law um, man. I think he was like a federal marshal or something. He's worked in law enforcement. Um, so he has like an investigative background. And for a couple years now, he has noticed this really shocking trend of people going missing in like national parks and other sort of remote areas under these very strange, very analogous circumstances. And it's not like, it's not necessarily like he rules out cases of like, that could easily be explained. Like if someone, you know, was like really inexperienced and they were going to an area that they were told was out of their skills 
and they went up there and there was like a huge snowstorm and then they weren't found. He's like, you can kind of guess what happened to that person. But he just has these stories of like people who are very experienced outdoors people. They know these areas very well. And they're in like very like not um, not dangerous areas, like just like really easy trails. And then they'll like vanish like in seconds. Like they'll walk around the corner of a trail and their friend will be like 50 yards behind them. And when they round the corner of the trail, these people are gone. Um, or they'll have like children disappear right out of campsites. Oh, my God. That, that are found like 48 hours later, like 35 miles from where they were. They disappeared and like on the other side of a mountain range, something like a little kid wandering could not do. And there's just hundreds of these cases that he's dug up all over the United States. And there are all these like weird things they share, like people tend to go missing deer, like near like small like running water, like shallow creeks. Hmm. Um, a lot of people go missing um, near um, when they're picking berries. He's like, I don't know what that means, but you just hear so many cases. These people were like picking berries or they were near like a berry bush and they just, they vanish under. I mean, it's just crazy. I and he's like written the like, idea of like weird extraterrestrials hiding in bushes going, they're going to come pick the berries and then you grab them. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then you tag them. And then you release mm-hmm. them back into the wild. <laughs> but what I like so much about Dave Politis, he's not like, look, this is Bigfoot. Or look, this is ETs. Or look, this is the government. Or like interdimensional beings. He's like, I don't know what it is. It's just really I'm weird. Just saying, I'm just, I'm just saying, look, look at this like weird thing that keeps happening under these very similar circumstances. So like his books, um, his book series is called Missing 411. And you can go look these up. You have to buy them from his website, which is a little onerous, but you can usually get them through a li- library too. That's how I've read them. Um, and it's just these cases. It's just like hundreds of pages of these cases. And he kind of breaks them up geographically. Um, and now he's getting into, it's really interesting, disappearances in cities under uh, similar circumstances to like where he had one. And this is creepy because it happened in Columbus, Ohio. So of close course to where it did. <laughs> An area Lauren and I are familiar Very with, familiar. where this, where this guy went into this bar, and there was a camera on the back door and a camera on the front door. So you see him go in the bar, and then he just vanishes. He doesn't leave the bar, and there's no other way in or out of this bar, and he just never comes out, and no one knows what happened to him. I mean, it's those kind of like weird cases, um, and so. I definitely recommend if you're into this kind of stuff, Dave Politis is good. Wow, we got off track there. Well, we really did. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do but that. But it's a good tangent, and clearly I can talk about it a lot. Um, but we were talking about summer blockbusters, mm-hmm. and the point we were leading up to was Ghostbusters. Yes. Which is also in this paranormal investigation. So you may have heard that there's a new Ghostbusters movie coming out. Um, is it coming out this year? Yeah, it's coming out like in a couple of weeks. It's oh, like I don't think July, I really understood I think. that. Okay. Yeah, and um, you may also know if you've been on the internet that it's like picked up a lot of criticism. Heat, um, people I think, are, is the word. I think it's heat. Yeah, I think heat is a much better word than criticism. Um, so people are really upset that um, the cast is now all female. So they took the four um, male Ghostbusters. And now it's four female Ghostbusters. They're not the same characters. I, I think that's an important thing to point out. It's not like they really just did like a pure gender swap. It's like a new kind of world. Um, it's a new. It's not like in the same universe as the original Ghostbusters. It's really like a reboot. 
um, with this all-female cast. So you have um, some really big-name comedians that are starring in this movie, um, a lot of SNL alums. You have Melissa McCarthy, uh, Kristen Wiig, Kate McKinnon, and Leslie Jones are the Ghostbusters. Uh, Chris Hemsworth is in the movie as their um, receptionist, so he's their Janine. Um, his name is uh, Kevin. I could not think of so, a better cast, actually, <laughs> on that and, part yeah, in and, particular. And, and Paul Feig's directing. Um, and so um, a lot of people are upset because it's the it's the all-female cast, and they feel like that's a real... Um, I don't know. They, they're just mad about it. Um, what it is, it, is uh, it's misogynistic in yeah, a lot of ways. It's misogyny, but it's misogyny under the cover of nerds feel like everybody is trying to take something from them all the time, whether mm-hmm. it being liking the thing that they like or not liking the thing that they like. And so I think nerds in particular handle reboots and, and kind of gender swapping the worst because it's yeah. like I have so little. Why are you trying to take the little that I have from me when they, when they right. don't really realize that so much belongs to them? And um, the way I see it, ex- have been seeing it expressed a lot online, is people that are just saying that line of like, "Man, I just hate how Hollywood has to remake everything these days." But suddenly, with like the four billionth remake in the past five years, suddenly it's a big sticking point for everybody to where they have to take to the internet in mass. Um, and, um, Hollywood has always been about remakes. Just they've done it for a long time. As long as there's money in a property, Hollywood will continue to squeeze it out. So I just want to say from everybody arguing, Hollywood just wants to make money. They're not terribly interested in the political aspect. Yeah. They're like, whatever, if diversity works for us, then sure. Go for it. But for everyone who is upset about Ghostbusters, um, I just I want to say I've been a Ghostbusters fan my whole life. I'm super excited about the new movie, and here's why. So if you if this helps you come to terms with it, cut out the fact that there's a new movie coming out. We have gotten so much awesome stuff back in stores with the Ghostbusters yeah. on it that even if you are super mad about the new movie, just go enjoy the Ghostbusters like product push that's coming out. Because we have new toys, uh, there's new like t-shirts and hats and all that kind of stuff. And most exciting, and why we're talking about this right now, is the original Ghostbusters classic is back in stores. And it's green, and it's delicious, and it's high C ecto cooler. And if you follow anything along these lines, I'm sure you've heard that ecto cooler's back. You may have tried it at this point. You may have been able to track it down. Run. I have a can right here, Ugh. and I want to do a taste test on air like we've done before. You know we love to do our taste tests on Listener Beware, and we haven't done one for a while. I know. So I've got my can of high C. It says Ghostbusters right there on the top. It's got the nice green slime can. I'm doing the can. I haven't tracked down the juice boxes. So I'm going to go ahead and crack this open, and we're going to do a taste test on air. Are you ready, Lauren? Yeah, I'm just getting to get my phone in the event I need to call someone. Okay. Oh, yeah. Who are you going to call? <laughs> just curious. Okay, here we go. 911. <laughs> Do you hear this? Nice. So that, there you go. It's cracked. It's got a really nice high C smell to it. 
That's it's got that like generalized high sea so, smell like that, that no powder what the flavor is. <laughs> yep. And uh, let me tell you, I think easily the best part about this is it is the greenest drink. Yeah, I'm looking at it, it, and, it and it's pretty vile. Yeah, it it looks like it looks like ectoplasm, like the slime that they use in the movies. So here we go. I'm gonna do a little taste test here. That is really good. <laughs> that is really. Have we ever taste tested anything that you didn't like? Because I definitely did pumpkin spice Oreos, and my cat liked them more than I did. We did those peeps that were. Gross. Oh, those are terrible. <laughs> do you remember the peeps? Those made me feel the worst. I didn't do it live on air, but was the black whopper. Oh. <laughs> that I I felt bad the next day over the black whopper. I forgot about that. So. Ecto cooler, it tastes exactly like I remember it tasting. And what's really nice is I would and Laura and I were talking about this a little before the show. Um when you try these like limited edition things nowadays, um sometimes they are really gross cuz they are like overdone cuz like the peeps, you had the peep, it was dipped in like a chocolate, it had sprinkles, the chocolate was one flavor, the peep was a different flavor. It was just so much going on, on top of it being like a peep, which was already kind of like a weird thing. This was like, because it's like the same limited edition product from like 20 years ago, it's subtle. Like it, it just relies on the strength that it's green and it's Ghostbusters theme. Yeah. Like that's all Ecto Cooler needs. And it's, the flavor is, it's a tangerine flavor, I believe. Uh, a blend of orange and tangerine juices. There we go. So it's just like a nice citrus flavor. It's juice. It's sweet. It's palatable. Man, yeah. It it says the word Ghostbusters on the can, and it's got slime painted onto the can. And apparently, the cans do some kind of like color changing thing when they go from cool to not cool. And I haven't been able to notice that taking it in and out of the fridge. So I don't know what that's worth. But the can looks great. The drink is super green. If you just want to drink something that's like abnormally swamp water green, this is the stuff. So um, I definitely recommend you go out and try to track down some Ecto Cooler. It's only in certain stores. Um, I got mine online. You can get it on Amazon. It's like seven bucks plus a few dollars shipping. So for one can. That, no, for like a like a uh, twelve or sixteen pack or something. Okay. Of cans. Well, and, and I don't because know. <laughs> that's too high a price for you lauren Ugh. i was like if you did that for a single can I, I i don't love anything that much that would have been a little much for a single can um and i know eventually like this is probably going to be in stores for a while yeah. um because like i remember like a couple years ago surge came back and when it yeah. first came back it was like you could buy a single can on ebay for like 20 dollars. yeah and they have it in gas stations now so right in time this will probably be easy to get i think the only store chain around here that's selling it is walmart and i try to never go into walmart if i can avoid it i've gone like a couple times recently to try to find it on the shelf and i really want the juice boxes too i want like the original ecto cooler juice boxes but um yeah, for now you can just order it on Amazon. It shows up on your doorstep a couple days later. So it's so, so great with that. toilet paper and peanut butter and cat food. <laughs> well, they have those buttons now. Have you seen those? No. It's like a button that has like the Tide logo on it, 
and you stick it in your house and you set it up to like if you need more tide you just push that button and it just places your order for tide automatically and you can get it for all kinds of different products i feel like i want an ecto cooler button of course if they you, made you the buttons you wouldn't even hook it up like you just want bucks. a button yeah i wouldn't care i wouldn't care if it stopped working after like a year because they don't have ecto cooler i just want that so i have the ecto cooler i've bought a couple of other of the things they've come out with um I have an action figure on my desk of Kate McKinnon's character, <laughs> Holtzman. She seems to be like the fan favorite already just from the trailer. She's because she like makes their gadgets and she's going to kind of like her character just seems cool based on the like eight seconds of her we've seen from the trailer. Girl geeks, so, we're coming for you. Yep. She's got those cool yellow glasses that she seems to. That's like one of her character traits. Um, so I have that and I bought a couple of these little minifigure packs that they have. So they're like little tiny ghosts and Ghostbusters. So I have a couple of those. Um, and then uh, that's about it. I mean, there's some other stuff I want to pick up. They have like a big stuff Slimer for like 15 bucks that I've been thinking about getting. Just that kind of stuff. You know what's going to so, happen. Archie will kill it. Yeah, I know. Well, I got to hide it from him. But yeah, or he'll tear it up. So just to circle back to my original point, if you're really mad about the new Ghostbusters, Okay, like, we hear you. We know you're upset. You don't have to go see it. We know if you want to boycott it. Like, hey, that's your right. I'm I'm with you. Like, if you don't want to see a movie, you don't think it's a good thing, don't see it. Totally fine with that. But if you're a real Ghostbusters fan, you should at least be happy that this new movie is happening. Because we got a drink, a cult classic beverage, back into stores after, like, 20 years. So at least appreciate it from that perspective. And what I would have to say is that if you don't like that the Ghostbusters is being remade with an all-female cast, I don't like you and I don't want to hear from you. There you go. So you have two different perspectives here. Choose the one that suits you. Yep. <laughs> and I'm just going to drink Ecto Cooler for the rest of the podcast because it is delicious. <laughs> I want to I wanna put like a little um, like vodka or gin mm -hmm. in it and make it like an Ecto cocktail. Actually, that'd be really, really cool. Is and if you posted that on the on the Facebook page, I think is like mix up and see what you can kind of do for a Ghostbusters themed cocktail. Hey, that is that is good. If you have Ecto Cooler and you come up with a really good drink, I want to hear about it. And I'll post some pictures after we record. Of what do you my think, like Ecto Cooler? Like maybe gin and Saint Germain and like maybe some bitters. Yes. That that always makes a drink classier is some bitters. Yeah, I think you could or like a fancy glass. I think that you could really like launch this. Yeah, and it's got such a good color. Yeah, no it's such a good color. Well, and it'll prep you for Halloween when you're going to need a spooky drink like that. I'm I'm going to start trying to talk bartenders in, around here into getting ecto cooler and like carrying it at the bar. I would just go to the bar and get an ecto cooler. Just put it in a nice tall glass and leave me be. That's all I need. Well, we've talked about Ghostbusters. We've talked about a lot of stuff, but let's yeah. talk about Goosebumps because we've we've been into this now for a little while and we haven't barely talked about Goosebumps. I know. Well, so the Goosebumps 2 movie has already like been it's cast. Been greenlit. Yeah, oh, it's been wow. greenlit. It's, it's been... like even farther than that. Yeah. We don't we don't have a teaser yet. Um I don't think, but that's been confirmed. Everybody's coming back. That's fantastic. Um it's also on Netflix. Yeah, the, the Ghostbusters or Ghostbusters. See, I'm caught in the I know you're so thing. you're so stuck. You're in love. I know. 
uh, Goosebumps is on Netflix, so you can go watch it repeatedly now. And the show is ne- on there, which is a thing you probably should only watch once. Yep. <laughs> so you can get all your Goosebusters action. And I think there's... Did you hear what I just said? I said Goosebusters. <laughs> I just said you can get all your Goosebusters action. Man. Maybe you can. We need to take a break. So <laughs> I'm losing it. But yeah, Goosebumps all over over Netflix. I think Ghostbusters is on there too. But you know what's not on there is the Ghostbusters cartoon series. See, now I'm just totally off track. Um, well, Thank you for coming to a- our Ghostbusters podcast uh, called Listener yeah. Beware. <laughs> uh, Ghostbusters. We're, we'll take a short break and then we'll come back and then we'll really talk about some, some Goosebusters. Really <laughs> <laughs> all right, stay with us. Okay, we're back, and I promise that from here on in, all we're going to talk about is goosebumps. Um, so, um, yeah, it's hard to tell sometimes. Lies so, you tell. <laughs> so we're talking about uh, the ghost next door today. Um, it is definitely a an atypical goosebumps story. I was really surprised reading it, um, especially coming off of Camp Nightmare, yeah. which was like super goosebumps. Um, this one's very different. Uh, so it came out August 1993. So it was a summer release. Um, and as we see, once we kind of jump into it, um, it's got some just pretty atypical stuff of Goosebumps. So I want to, I'll save some of that to talk about once we've gone through the plot. Um, and, uh, it's just, man, this is just such a strange Goosebumps book. It, well, okay, so as the recapper, um, yeah, I, I, when I walked into this book, I had very different expectations of what was delivered to me because it was used so heavily in the Goosebumps feature film. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it, it's one of the major like, you know, so there's very like visible icons from the Goosebumps series as we've discussed before. We've got Slappy, you've got Arl Stein, of course, as himself. And you've got, um, you've got the ghost next door being a very, very key plot point of the 12-year-old daughter. Right. Um, because it, we have kind of come down on the fact that, that Hannah from this book is the Hannah in the Goosebumps movie. Yes. So I can honestly say that when I first saw the Goosebumps movie, I didn't really pick up on that. Yeah. Even after like the movie ended, I never thought, oh, that's, that's like this character... But once we dug into this book and did some research, it all kind of came together. So I was like, wow, I didn't even pick up on that. But yeah, it's so Hannah from this is one of the key protagonists of the Goosebump movie. Which I think we both found very surprising with this book. But we can get into that after the recap. So I'll just pl- jump into the plot. 
Well, can we talk about the covers? Oh, quick? sure. Yeah. So sorry, sorry. Didn't mean to go out of order. No, you're okay. No, you're fine. Um. So yeah. So we have um the original cover, which you see kind of the ghost's feet standing um in front of the door. So it's pretty pretty literal ghost next door. Um, I didn't love the old cover. Kind of plain. Um, well, if you don't love the old cover, you're gonna really not like the new one either. Well, see, the the new one is pretty strange. It's got that big ugly door knocker, which on doesn't kind of looks like tie a... into the plot at all. No, absolutely zero. <laughs> and then the other one, my when I was looking at the Goosebumps wiki, the the Dutch covers have this like big, tall, like gangly ghost that's like ten feet tall. Like one of them, he's like looming over a house, and I'm like, wow, that book looks awesome. Well, I want to read that story. And it's nothing to do no, with... No, well, this, here's what I think happened, is that they hired some, some illustrators, and I get it. And they were like, this is called Ghost Next Door. And everybody went, we don't need to read that. Clearly a demon of some sort is involved. We'll put that on the cover. And that's what happened with the new issue, is that you've got, like, this demon door knocker that doesn't make any sense. And especially, like, in the foreign markets, yeah. where I feel like they're like, look, artist, here's, like, a list of of titles. Yeah. We need we need thirty covers by Friday because this is selling like hotcakes in the United States, and little Dutch children want to read this book. Yeah, and this and was the guy super yeah. due tomorrow. Like <laughs> this was so yeah. So um, you know, and and you'll see too. Like once we go through the plot, probably why it's would have been difficult to do a picture that's like illustrative of this story and yeah. also like kind of eye-catching and interesting yeah without kind of giving away everything it's 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 it, there's so much precariousness that is involved in the plot that it can be really difficult to yep anyway. so well, go ahead lauren why don't you jump in and take us through this strange plot and then we will talk some more about why this book is weird okay so the tagline of this is that there's a strange new kid on the block um and the original cover artist was tim jacobus um and i don't know who the new one is actually because i didn't look but anyway and this is the 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 next book is the haunted mask which i think is in many ways the most famous yes but like i i would agree like, with you there slappy is super iconic but the most famous one is haunted mask yep um so anyway, the plot of uh of this book is it's one of the weird little down the little downtime ones hannah fairchild is having a very boring summer at home after all her friends have left town for break, they're all camping or on family vacation. She tries writing to them, but they don't write back, and she's getting really frustrated. She spends some time with her little brothers, they're twins and they're six, and she tries to entertain them by making a campfire in the backyard and telling ghost stories, but she's really, really bored and lonely, and it feels like summer is never going to end. She has a terrifying dream about her bedroom being on fire, and then and wakes up and then that day she meets danny daredevil i'm putting that in quotes because it's a self-assigned nickname anderson she doesn't remember danny moving in and he claims to go to her school and in that there's they're supposedly in the same grade but they don't know any of the same people hannah begins to suspect that danny is not all they seems and he keeps disappearing into thin air every time she turns around she suspects that he's a ghost after she spies on danny downtown with a pair of troublemaking children alan miller and fred drakes she's pursued by a shadowy figure with red eyes that whispers her name danny is getting into worse and worse trouble with uh the local mailman and uh he steals ice cream from mr harper and alan and fred are always with him whenever he gets into these hijinks and they just start destroying mailboxes after they get caught trying to break uh 
the postmaster's mailbox, Danny gets uh, treated in a less than fragile manner by uh, the the postman. And Alan and Fred tell Danny that they, they want to get back at the postmaster, essentially for kind of being rough. It, he grabs him. They don't beat him up, but, you know, he grabs him. Right. Hannah has been following them around town because she's trying to prove that they are that they that they are danny is a ghost and so she sees the whole ordeal and gets really bad feelings about the whole situation she's like oh he shouldn't go and talk to him there's kind of a weird premonition-y type thing she tries to warn danny that he is less uh but he is less than responsive to her pleas especially when she accuses him of being a ghost this is after she knocks on the door to danny's house and his mother doesn't turn around to answer the door and she assumes that it is also because he's a ghost. It's very, very spooky. Danny accidentally puts his entire hand through Aunt Hannah's chest and runs off in hysterics. It turns out that Danny is not a real ghost. Hannah is. Two minutes after she figures it out, a realtor shows up at her house and explains Hannah's entire family died five years ago when their fa- their house caught fire. The, ho- the house... Uh, it turns out the fire was started when Hannah did, uh, didn't entirely in- extinguish a campfire in the backyard. <laughs> Hannah experiences weird blackouts and she wakes up and she attempts to stop Danny from getting into perilous danger, but only succeeds in freaking him out. She gets on her bike and tries to catch up with him and she catches up to him, Fred and Alan as they break into the postmaster's house and set it on fire while still inside. Fred and uh, Alan manage to escape you know, saying the matches, the matches, it was an accident, but Danny is still in the house. And the shadowy figure that's been pursuing Hannah this whole time suddenly appears and he pulls off his hood and it reveals that it's Danny's face. And the shadowy figure says, I am the ghost of Danny. And the only way that I can be born is if Danny dies. And uh, the real Danny can take his place in the shadow world. Hannah escapes shadow danny's grasp and rescues the real danny leaving the shadow to burn in the flames in the ambulance danny tells his mother that hannah rescued him and danny's mother does not believe him as danny is carried off to the hospital hannah fades away from the real world and reunites with her family in the spirit world the end and that's the end yeah so uh this one doesn't really have a twist ending i mean it I push back against that. So this one's weird. This is a weird book. Uh, we, yeah. we talked about this. Um, it's 124 pages when really it should probably more, be more like 60. Like it, it moves, you know, the plot is very short. Um, yeah. Well, but, and b- between the setup and the conclusion, you basically have the same bit repeated like six constantly. or eight times. It's incessant. It, it was actually very frustrating. Um, without, without any sort of real development whatsoever right so the problem is unlike with you know slappy where you had too much going on this is the opposite Mm -hmm. so you know hannah is not really being recognized by other people in her community not a lot of other people are talking to her so you're living the entire book in her head when it's just her and then sometimes danny because you know the whole play is that he's a ghost and that she's really a ghost but the only way to do that is to isolate her which means she's just sort of talking to herself for many 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 pages and she's right. writing really rude letters to her friends. Um, they're all like, why won't you write me back? I hope you have a terrible time at camp. It's terrible. It's dreadful. 12-year-olds are the worst. But, you know, so she's also like, I realize that they kind of, like, he wrote himself into a corner there. 
But this is the first time, and you know, we mentioned this off air, you know, this is the first time that we really have fantastical elements entered into this to the horror plot line. So while it felt like they were really, really beating in a plot, like they were in a way that the other books didn't have, you know, Hannah is not only psychic, but it's it's sort of brought back that she the reason the entire reason that she's back to haunt that house and her family because she's spending you know the summer with her family was to save danny that was the entire purpose and that she that there's a beyond that she must move back into with her family and she hopes that she can still see him despite not being in the shadow world any you know not being in the in the the, you know the corporeal world anymore that's actually really weird heavy stuff that had never been introduced in any of the other books it's a really interesting level of depth that was explored on the last three pages (laughs) one one thing that i really liked about this story though um so one thing i think is um to a young reader um i imagine that the the realization that hannah's the ghost and not danny maybe wouldn't come as quickly as it did to us as older readers right well and we saw Um, the movie so we kind of had like an inkling oh okay this is the ghost one (laughs) and but that being said one of the things i thought worked really well and realizing so early on that hannah was the ghost just let me appreciate it even more was there was this like odd, really dreamlike nature to the story? Yeah. Um, because one of the things that's implied, and they never really go back and um, explain it overtly, was that kind of like from time from like vignette to vignette of um, Hannah and and Danny interacting with each other. Hannah thinks it's just like a day has passed, but it's pretty much implied that much longer periods of time happen at least five years yeah like it's because it's like one day he's like suddenly there and they're all moved in but hannah didn't even see that happen and then like the next day danny hasn't seen her for a long time so she's sort of like fading in and out and i think that's really interesting like from the perspective of a ghost like part of the like part of the reason and i've heard this again not to go back to all the paranormal investigator stuff yeah part of the reason like ghosts cause problems is people some people think it's because they're confused and they're scared um because they're not seeing the world the same way that we are yeah um and and you've you've i mean everybody's heard of phrases where like you know like a near like someone has like a near-death experience and they think a long long time has passed and it's been like five minutes like you know like they they were passed out for like five minutes and they felt like they had been asleep for like days and had seen all this like crazy stuff and they come back and only like a couple of minutes or like an hour has passed or something um so i thought that was a really weird effect of the book Uh, yeah i i agree so yeah the, the time structure is really unusual it's sort of this long eternal summer that she can't escape and that's really really interesting um absolutely there's some things that i thought like they couldn't have given this family a gas leak it had to be a fire they had to burn to death and it and it was hannah's fault i know like just the amount of pressure to put on that family is awful but then also that there is this coexistent shadow world that can produce you know i thought the whole idea of a ghost can only you know be born and created because it kills its original corporeal yeah form is really really interesting that we just breezed right over because we were listening to hannah lament about how bored she was for most pages right so in looking at that shadow person 
and knowing that Hannah was a ghost pretty early on, I assumed it was going to be like this force that when it finally caught up to her, just kind of be like, Hannah, you're dead. Yeah. Like, you just need to cross over. Like, you're, I, you're I know blowing you're this, like, confused and scared. Like, you just need to, like, come with me. Um, and that would be kind of like this, you know, the the whole thing. Because really, they could have made the, the twist ending, like, the very, like, Goosebumps-style twist ending. They could have made it that Hannah was dead. I mean, that, that would have been, like, really easy to be like, but ooh, she was dead the whole time. Yeah. You know, kind of a thing. Um, but they didn't do that. Um, it just sort of ends at that weird sort of, like, fade to white kind of yeah she's like she can't see danny she doesn't know if danny can see her anymore and she sort of talks about like she's like sometimes i'm they're solid and sometimes they're not and and she really means like she's basically doing a lot of research about herself Mm -hmm. and like there's a lot of metaphors there i mean i thought she was kind of a little old to be kind of doing this because at 12 i i mean it's been a while since i was 12 but i was filtering everything through the lens of puberty and attraction and that's kind of what makes this age group a little precarious for me is that there's a wholesomeness to this. Like she's walking around town and it's super like wholesome and there's an ice cream parlor and there's like a postman and he's a real jerk. And, right. you know, now now people are calling people punks and it's a whole thing. Right. But like when you're 12, everything is filtered through kind of this lens of like, I could not wait for like the HBO part of my life to get started. Yeah. No, yeah, it's definitely like 12 years old as viewed through the eyes of a younger person, like a younger yeah. reader. Yeah, I mean, and like along those lines, too, you know, um, and they didn't really get into this in the book. But like, I think it had been cool if Hannah had had some moments where like she didn't recognize things, implying that like between when she died and like when she came back, like a really long amount of time had passed, like 20 years or something. You know what I mean? Like. If she said like wow he just wears really like funny looking clothes or you know just something and i don't remember anything like that being super overt um like she still kind of recognized her town more or less uh, well and, and the people and the thing that kind of confused me is that hannah is i think a very common and conventional name right now yeah but they're like this is danny which is a normal name but this is Fred mm-hmm. and Alan, and I'm like, who are clearly children from the 70s who have died. Like, I was, to me, like, the name swapping didn't help gauge that that was kind of a reveal. Because right. at 93, I don't think anybody was naming their kid Fred and Al- Alan. Like, it, it's uh, like it's yeah, like being named Carl. Everybody knows one guy, but I think we all know the same guy. There you go. <laughs> no, yeah, it's... it's um, It's just... It's such a weird Goosebumps book. And it is. It's so I, weird. And I'm... And it's not one that's particularly remembered super well. Um, I don't hear it come up when people talk about Goosebumps. You know, because, like, when you have a Goosebumps podcast and people, like, you're talking to them, you're like, oh, yeah, I have a podcast. What's it about? Goosebumps. Oh, wow. I loved The Haunted Mask. I loved One Day at Horrorland or The Snowman from Pasadena. Like, you hear, like, the same handful of, like, classics come up again and again. You don't always hear people say, Oh yeah, I love uh the ghost next door. Um and and it's interesting cuz we are really still pretty early in the series with this one. So it's weird to kind of see this still this like experimental Yeah. And it stood out so much compared to kind of how the other ones talked. Cuz of course, you know, it's it's a horror series. 
right. aimed at aimed at young readers. And I think that this is something with right. young readers is that there's younger readers want to read about people that are just a shade older than them to relate to that experience. Sure. Versus like, you know, when you're old, when you're 15, you're not going to probably as likely to read about a 12 year old. But like when you're 27, apparently you do. <laughs> right. It's like that's a little bit more believable. It's kind of interesting how that all kind of pans out. But the other ones, while being, you know, very like structured and kind of, yeah, they are repetitive. And yeah, it's in 14 point font. And, yeah, you know, it's kind of like building right. on the. This was super handholdy. This was yeah. so like guiding you along that something's amiss. And, it, it just and I think and I think some of that was is like maybe this concept is almost a little too complicated for Goosebumps, especially like a Goosebumps level reader, and that it had to be like a little, you know, like if it's a monster chasing you, I don't need to tell the reader why that's dramatic, especially like a young kid. Like, hey, you're getting chased by like a horrible monster, um, uh, you know. And there's a cliff up ahead, so it's chasing you towards this cliff. Kids are like, wow, that's a dramatic situation, you know. Yeah. But it, but this one, like, I I almost think like, and and I'm not and I'm not defending it and saying like this makes it better. Yeah, it's just like I I think that in, if he didn't do that, this book would have just gone like way over the heads of like the the reader to where they wouldn't have known yeah, or understood what happened. He didn't quite nail which, the hook on this one, which you know you right, get a bad which, one. Right, which is to say, yeah, maybe this was not the best idea for a Goosebumps book, especially coming off of Camp Nightmare, where you have crossbows and so saber good. and crazy camp counselors and um, whatever that stick scratch ball. Yeah, and, uh, as as somebody, I'm, know, I'm reading the second volume of Lumberjanes right now. That is oh, Girl Lumber, Scout Camp. Lumberjanes is so good. It's so there, good. But that there's is a it. book recommendation from both of us. Yes, Go read Lumberjanes. It's so good, y'all. It's very good. I'm April, clearly. Yeah. But, I don't know who I would be in Lumberjanes. There aren't a lot of male characters. Uh, but I, but I Molly. love, but I love, but I love their camp director. You're Molly. Which one? Is or Molly? you're the you're what's who was is it? Not Riley, but you're you're the one with the raccoon on your the head. Oh, I like her a lot. Yeah. She makes me think of Finn from Adventure Time. Yeah. They just, the characters are just drawn similarly. They're like, wait, that's a real raccoon? She's like, you didn't know? I feel like we've been really open about that. <laughs> but I, I do, I do love the camp director who's kind of this like Roxy the Riveter and Teddy Roosevelt yeah. mix. And she's always like carving something with an axe or something. Yeah, she's awesome. Come in her office. Yeah, she's all, She's great. Well, okay, do, Bo, do you want to tell everybody why we had to put off recording for a couple weeks? Um, yeah, I guess because um, someone was taking a class. Oh, my! You want to hear about my my class? Um, so I took a couple weeks ago, um, my first blacksmithing class, and it was awesome. And I spent a weekend, um, making fire and then sticking metal into the fire and, and watching what would the metal happen. with a hammer yeah and some of it was just like man i wonder if i can like here's a fun fact that i didn't know you can actually make steel burn you can burn steel so if you get it too hot it starts to spark like a sparkler and if you get it just a little bit hotter it will pretty much like catch on fire cool um and you ruin the steel oh, which is really neat that's a bummer yeah i mean you're not supposed you're not supposed to do that but I mean, I I guess if I think as like a chemist, which I'm not a very good chemist, um, that's like a pretty that's pretty poor at that in school. <laughs> it makes sense. Like everything can burn, um, 
but yeah, it's uh, it was really awesome. I made some like hooks and some different stuff. Um, it's definitely a winter hobby. Don't do it when it's like ninety degrees. Yeah, outside. I was sort of surprised at the timing of that whole thing. There is see what it was was I wanted to take this class and they fill up super quick. I bet um, it's at this it's at this farm museum here in Maryland and they do all these traditional arts and you can go take those kind of classes. And so I'd signed up for this class in like January. But the first opening was for the class in June. So it was a long wait, um, but it was definitely worth it. But it was just funny because you would go in there and work for like as long as you could. And then you would just like stumble outside because you were about to pass out from heat. Yeah. Um, and, and they luckily they were like, hey, there's a refrigerator in this office and it is crammed with as much like bottled water as we can fit into it. So please stay hydrated and don't die. Um, but it was a blast. So, yeah, I like those kind of things. Because I was like, oh, can we record? And you said, oh, can't. I'm taking a blacksmithing class. And I thought it was the most bow thing that you could have said. Like, you might as well have been saying, can't, killing orcs. Yeah, and that's exactly what it felt like all weekend. Just like every time you were like you were just standing there holding like a piece of metal and hitting it with a hammer. I was just like, I'm so cool right now. I am so cool right now. Somebody take my picture. I look awesome. Like, doing this and... Whereas I was being a creepy goth kid and I bought a, I went into a, a store and I found a bunch of like these little doll hands and doll parts and stuff. And so I bought like a doll chest and sternum and I've turned it into a candle holder that I put red tea lights in that is now dripping wax all over it. That's awesome. And that's what I did. And I sent it to my current uh, sweetheart and I said, if I do this, will you still talk to me? And he said, yes, that's hilarious. There you go. And that's why this podcast is so great. Yep. The couple that enables together stays together. <laughs> That's right. So, Lauren, um, let's take another break. Yep. I feel like we kind of did this one as much justice as we can. Yeah. And, it's, uh, I mean, the the dream sequences, which I kind of played down in the recap, are kind of cool in the sense of they come, they, they are, they're big hollerbacks. But, mm-hmm. but, and it kind of presents the idea that ghosts can dream and that she's really That's, dreaming of the fire that they died in. But it's yeah. still like a huge bummer. <laughs> yeah there that's any all book, i have to add any book that starts with a whole family burning to death in a fire is kind of kind of bums you out yeah for sure i mean these series of unfortunate events books start that way uh, having having spent time with daniel handler i still do not understand how such a nice man can produce such a horrifying collection of work yeah we've you know we've both met him yeah and he is he's delightful you've met him more so than i have yeah. you spent more time with him yeah but he is a delightful person. He if you is, ever get a chance, he's so delightful. Buy like, his books, guys. Buy yeah. like you know his music. His music's really good. Yeah, just support him. And if you ever get a chance to go to like an autograph signing or a book reading, he's really funny. He he is exactly how you expect him to be from his writing. He has that that sense of humor is not like something that he is only on the page. Right. Um. Yeah, definitely go. Um, we both we both have pictures with him, and uh, he's great. Mm-hmm. We should try to get him on the show someday. Uh, I, I bet he as a committee member of Lightquake, maybe. Yeah, you've had him on one of your other podcasts. I have. He's very sweet. And, and we have to save. Don't go back to that well too much. Yeah. Right. Well, now now that I'm working for Lightquake, like maybe I can foster that relationship a little better. But yeah, that's well, definitely if, like a, if you get. If you get him on a second podcast, then you can probably call him close personal friend. Right, probably. 
Or a collaborator, at the very least. <sighs> yeah. That'd be if, awesome. if he invites and, me over to his house for dinner, I know I've like like I've lynched it. Yep. And and yeah, and we and we would love uh to someday have R.L. Stein on the show. We yes. really want we want to strike when the iron's hot with that. So keep making listener beware popular, and it is getting more and more popular every episode, which is great to see. So give us and five we, star ratings on iTunes. That promotes yep, us. Rate the show, do all that good biz. And once we once we kind of have some steam behind us uh we will try to get rl stein i'd love to have tim jacobus on here too who mm-hmm. did the covers um so which historically been, we've liked a lot better than the new covers <laughs> yes and i have been told by people that have worked with rl stein that he is one of those people that will do anything he's like always up for stuff cool so i think if we can get it so yeah so keep supporting the show and um we we have some connections some small you know yeah if anybody knows rl stein (laughs) we're not lauren and i are not a big deal but we're a small deal i think that's safe we're a very friendly deal yeah we're cute we are cute (laughs) we're like two really creepy bunnies (laughs) exactly so let's take a break and we'll come back and we will start closing the show out how's that sound sounds good Okay, Lauren, let's go ahead and close this show out. Um, so, yeah, this this is a weird book, and obviously, um, we didn't have a ton to say about it. Um, I, you know, I would say if you're uh, don't if you've been start reading with along us. with us, yeah, don't start with it. Um, but you know what I was thinking on the break a little bit? There will probably be like a time when you and I are like really deep in the series, and I know like eventually these books are going to start to feel kind of formulaic. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to just start hitting the same kind of story setups and over. Cause that, when you have a 62 book series for children, that just happens. You don't yeah. have a lot of like leeway and like coming up with really like, you know, varied plots and, and setups and stuff. So I was like thinking maybe there'll be a day when we look back on this as like, wow, remember when RL Stein used to write these like really like different kind of goosebumps yeah. books? It'll we'll be the like, origin we'll, story, yeah. We'll build this weird appreciation for it, and it becomes like a cult classic of like, hey, look how different this one is. So, uh, and of course, we got Hannah out of it, and she was one of the best characters in the movie. So, we definitely definitely has that going for it as well. So, I think that's kind of my my take takeaway. Um, had had some grand aspirations and maybe didn't deliver on them, but. Uh, you know, you have to have that. And it's in a series like Goosebumps, you're definitely going to have some that are going to go off in some weird directions. Did you have any other parting shots for the ghost next door? I. It was difficult because it was it was so it was such a slow beginning. Yeah. Um... Yeah. Any story that starts with 
the whole family dying yeah well and that was it is it like when it got there it was it was like oh my gosh so it's like when when you go back it really does sort of like highlight how interesting the plot was but it doesn't like um it doesn't it, it, it didn't quite land but i thought it was working with a lot of really really cool things that but I, again, if I were somebody were trying to get into the series, I wouldn't give them this. No, 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 no. If you're trying to get your friends back into Goosebumps, keep this one on the shelf. Let them discover <laughs> it on their own. <laughs> and so that's kind of where I am with it. And it's like, I thought it was kind of, in some ways, I feel like including it in the Goosebumps movie was a strange use. Because I feel like there's so many female characters that you could have picked. And I think they wanted to give the the female character like a weird thing, but like part of me is like, why did the daughter have to have a weird thing? Why did she have to be a member of the canon when the the the, the kid that moved in didn't necessarily have to be? But that's that might be kind of a breakdown for another day. <laughs> yeah, it makes me wonder why the R.L. Stein in the movie chose Hannah of all the all of his creations to be his child i don't know maybe it's because she's kind of a sad lonely character maybe that appealed to him we'll have to ask rl stein when he's on the show someday (laughs) yes when he's fingers crossed everybody yeah if everybody thinks it it's like the secret if everybody thinks it and everybody believes it'll come to pass it'll come to pass so I think that about does it yep. for the ghost next door. I think so. I, I can't drag anything else out of my brain <laughs> to throw on this. So uh, thank you for listening to another episode of Listener Beware. Um, you know, kind of a little different take. But next time we have the Haunted Mask coming. And I hope you enjoyed uh, all of my Ghostbusters ramblings. And go pick up some Ecto Cooler. Even if you don't care about Ghostbusters. Even if you hate Ghostbusters. Just in general. Ecto Cooler is great. And and the fact that it can come back means all of your dreams can come true. So that's my parting. That's my takeaway. That's actually a really wonderful takeaway, Bo. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. We've had so much that stuff come back that it's like, that's the upside of capitalism, people. Like, your dollars can make anything happen. You know, you, you get crushed under the wheel of, of just, like, wage slavery. But... If everybody wants it to come back and they'll pay for it, we can get things like Ecto Cooler and Surge back in stores. So I think the next one just needs to be Dunkaroos. We need Dunkaroos back. Yeah. Why haven't those come back? Apparently they're still in stores the in little, Canada. The little cheese That's what I've heard. things have come back and those were terrible. <laughs> and I know, and I know there's a recipe online for Dunkaroo dip. It's like, it's like Funfetti cake mix and like, water whipped cream (laughs) (laughs) that sounds horrible (laughs) but if you look that up if you look that up you can probably make your i don't know how it holds up though and you eat it with animal crackers which i don't think are the right kind of crackers but i don't know so before i ramble off into just like weird musings about how lauren and i are becoming old people (laughs) um, i have my first wrinkle Listener Beware is hosted at soundcloud.com slash listener beware. 
It's a great place to follow the show. We're pretty active on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash listenbeware. That's just a great way to be updated that a new episode of the show's out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also on Twitter where we're not very active, but we're hoping to change that a little bit. We're at listenerbeware on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get in touch with us the new old-fashioned way, it's uh, listenerbewarepodcast at gmail.com. You can always drop us a line there. Um, and, of course, Listen Beware is available wherever fine podcasts are sold. Um, so you can find us on there and please, if you like the show, um, give us a good rating, leave comments on stuff, boost it, share it with your friends, send it out to people, tweet at RL Stein and be like, Hey, Mr. Stein, you got to check this awesome show out. Bo and Lauren. Great. Um, all that kind of good stuff will just help build the show up. And, uh, you know, uh, I was talking to Lauren and I don't want to reveal anything yet, but, um, I'm hoping to have some other projects coming on board pretty soon. Yeah, some exciting um, ones. Lauren has some other podcasts. Uh. I mean, do you want to? <laughs> no, not so much right now. Yeah, that's okay. The, sorry. Um, well, I mean, I'm, I'm working on other things, just not podcasts, right? Right at the moment. Yeah. I, I'm I'm a writer, and you can find me at my website, laurenyparker.com, and I'm also on Medium. Um, there you go. So you can check me out there, and uh, and then I'm on Twitter at Lauren Inc. Inc. Yep. Yeah, these are always like nights and weekends projects for us. Yeah. So, Side hustles. Lauren, <laughs> Lauren does have a Patreon on her website. I so do. If you want, if you really like what what we do, you can go drop a few bucks in the Lauren's Patreon. I don't have one yet, so just send me good vibes. There um, we go. That's that's a great way to pay me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we love doing this stuff, mm-hmm. um, even though it's not what we're getting paid for. It's why we do it. So. Um, stay tuned for some hopefully announcements going on with that um, coming up. I've noticed like it's always like into the late summer, early fall that I tend to like launch projects because that's like where listener beware came out of was that same time period. Yeah. Just because I like I love the fall so much. That's when like my powers are at their greatest. That's when I make things happen. So um, thank you so much for listening to Listener Beware. We love you guys and uh, we will catch you next time for the Haunted Mask, which is going to be awesome. See ya. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next time, if you dare.